You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with troubling developments in the search for two BC teens charged with killing a Vancouver man and suspected of killing two tourists. As new surveillance video of the suspects is released, RCMP in the northern Manitoba town of Gillam are now saying they may have left the area and they may have had help. Rumina Dea has the latest. RCMP have been sitting on this video all week. No explanation why they waited until now to release it. The teen fugitives captured on camera in the co-op in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, prior to making their way to Gillam, Manitoba. Our investigators are also exploring the possibility that the suspects may have inadvertently received assistance in leaving the area. Who may have helped the suspects? How did police come to this conclusion? They're not saying. Cam McLeod and Brian... Briar Schmigelski may have changed their appearance. It is possible that someone may not have been aware of who they were providing assistance to and may now be hesitant to come forward. Despite this stunning new development, the manhunt is still focused in the Gillam area, where 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski and his childhood friend, 19-year-old Cam McLeod, were last spotted Monday, prior to the discovery of their burned-out getaway vehicle found in the bush. It seems more reasonable to me that they um, would only torch a car if they had a, an option to uh, with another car. Manitoba RCMP now sharing information with police agencies from across Canada. Investigators following up on more than 120 tips. The teens wanted for murder in connection to the bodies of three victims found in northern BC last week. I think the biggest difference is everybody's locking their doors. This is kind of a community where you don't have to worry about that. You don't lock your doors, you don't lock your cars, you don't really think about it. And people are just staying indoors and keeping their kids close. Residents fearful someone else could die. Oh, sure. I think that's a very a reasonable fear. I mean, I, I think all of us are, are concerned that, uh, that, you know, that these two be apprehended um, as soon as possible and without any further loss of life. It is critical that all Canadians remain vigilant for Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski. Over the next 72 hours, the RCMP will be going door to door in Gillam and Fox Lake, attempting to locate the person who may have inadvertently helped the suspects get away. Romina Dea, Global News. All right, breaking news now. A deadly float plane crash off the coast of B.C. At least four people were killed when the plane went down north of Port Hardy. Julia Foy is live in the newsroom with the details that we know at this point. Julia. Well, thanks, Sophie. The Joint Rescue Coordination Centre in Victoria has confirmed, I'm afraid, that four people are dead after that plane crash on Attebroke Island, north of Port Hardy. Now, the Coast Guard has confirmed that nine people were on board that flight. A Cessna 208 float plane, which we believe belongs to Sea Air Seaplanes, went down just before 12 this afternoon. Now, they were en route to visit Calvert Island, a popular tourist destination located on BC's Inside Passage, roughly halfway between Vancouver and the Queen Charlotte Islands. Now, BC Emergency Health Services has confirmed that paramedic ground crews and two air ambulance critical care teams are staged in Port Hardy right now for survivors of that plane crash. A third air ambulance critical care team is en route from Vancouver to Port Hardy. 
Now, a BC ferry, the Northern Sea Wolf, was called in to assist emergency crews. We spoke to media spokesman Deb Marshall, who told us that they were asked to stand by to help out with any of the people on board that plane. In fact, they're still on board the ferry. They expect now they've been delayed about five hours and they are set to arrive in Bella Coola about 10 o'clock tonight. Now, BC Emergency Health Services is coordinating with the Coast Guard for the care of those five healthy patients. Now, it's unclear if any of the patients will be moved to lower mainland hospitals. We'll bring you more information as it becomes available. Sophie? All right, thanks for that. Julia Foy reporting in the newsroom. Surrey RCMP have released a surveillance photo of the suspect in a sexual assault in Newton earlier this month. It happened last Tuesday, July 16th, in the 6100 block of 138th Street. The man is accused of pulling into the driveway where a woman was gardening in her front yard, asking for directions and then groping her before driving away. He's described as South Asian, about 30 years old, with a medium build, wearing a headscarf, gray shirt and black shorts. And Burnaby RCMP are looking for a suspect in an assault at university near Simon Fraser University. A woman walking at Highland Court and University Crescent was approached by a man who assaulted her and then tried to sexually assault her. He ran off immediately. The suspect is described as a black male in his late 20s, six feet tall with a medium build. He has a short, bushy beard with a mustache and was wearing a black hoodie, black sweatpants and a black baseball cap with a New York Yankees logo on it. A wildlife tragedy in the community of Sunshine Valley, just east of Hope, where two bears had to be shot by conservation officers after they ransacked a home. As John Hua reports, neighbors say it could have been avoided. It's like a scene straight out of a natural disaster movie. Coast is clear. And the truth is not far off. This destruction is what happens when you have three bears over for dinner. I've never seen so much damage done by a bear. The inside of this Sunshine Valley cabin completely gutted. And you can see the claw marks well up on the building. Outside, the walls, siding and insulation torn away like paper. Bears aren't just going to come and, and rip a cabin apart for no reason. They need a reason and they have been drawn to this one. Neighbours claim the owners of the property have a history of feeding wild animals. And while they've been away for more than a year, the bear treats were still inside. There was one home, but we believe that they were actually feeding bears. So like I said, they were issued with an order to cease and desist. Even if the owners did stop, the hungry animals didn't get the message, leading to deadly consequences for two black bears. A fed bear is a dead bear. We hear that saying all the time, but this is in fact the reality. A trap has been set up for a remaining brown bear. Unfortunately, if it's caught, there are few options. Once bears get into a house, actually ripping right through walls to get into a home, we will not relocate those bears. And just to prove how strong the attractants are at this cabin, while we're doing a tour of the damage, if you look behind me, you can see that third bear is watching. I will not walk knowing that, the, that these bears that are no longer afraid of humans are out and about in our neighborhood. For the destroyed cabin's owner, their nervous neighbors, or the bears being sentenced to death, it's unneeded proof getting too close to nature can end in disaster. John Hua, Global News. A well-known B.C. actor has been identified as the victim of a fatal motorbike crash in Port Moody Tuesday afternoon. 
46-year-old Gabe Kuth had a lengthy resume in movies and TV, most notably playing Sneezy on the series Once Upon a Time. Friends say he suffered a heart attack while riding his bike, although police are not confirming that. A number of his co-stars have posted tributes on social media. The forest fire situation in B.C. is heating up. Right now, there are 34 fires burning in the province, most of them smaller and not threatening any homes or buildings at this point. But one of them, the Richter Mountain Fire, is now out of control. And as Danny Seymour reports, it has forced the closure of a highway. Power lines are on fire. Tense moments as fire rips down the side of Richter Mountain in the Similkameen Valley. It covered pretty much this entire mountainside and all the way down right to our business here within a span of two hours. Which Jenberg says is unlike anything she has witnessed before. But the wall of fire, I've never seen anything move so quick like that in my entire life. It was wild. It's definitely at the beginning part, it was it was not looking good until we had all the help roll in. It was just so hot and there was so much debris flying and everything is dry despite all the rain we've had. Jenberg, her neighbours and her family were virtually alone during the dramatic ordeal with help both far away and difficult to access. We had help from our neighbouring ranches on both sides water trucks, lots of uh, of our family and friends on ground. If we didn't have them, I don't really know what we'd do at this point. And while the nearby brush burned, the BC Wildfire Service was stuck on the other side of the mountain trying to control the inferno. Yesterday it looked awesome. I even had a conversation with one of the helicopter pilots and I said, God, you guys did a great job. It looks like it's almost out. And, you know, I think they were all pretty confident. It looked really good. And then It's just a little bit of wind can change a lot of things. Conditions in this area are still quite dry and with temperatures over 30 degrees, it's unlikely fighting this fire is going to get any easier for crews. Danny Seymour, Global News, near Coston. And with the weather heating up, the Ministry of Forests has imposed another ban on some open burning, this time in southeastern B.C. The new ban prohibits Category 2 open burning in the Rocky Mountain Natural Resource District and the Selkirk Natural Resource District, the areas around Cranbrook, Nelson and Revelstoke. The Category 2 ban prohibits open fires larger than a half metre wide and a half metre high. It also prohibits stubble or grass fires of any size and the use of fireworks among other things. It also, or pardon me, it applies to all public and private land. It does not apply to small campfires or to cooking stoves that use gas, propane, or briquettes. There are already open burning restrictions in the coastal, Kamloops, and Caribou regions, but so far there are no campfire bans in B.C. Right now, though, the chief medical health officer at Vancouver Coastal says it's time to regulate the supply of illicit drugs. In a new report today on the overdose crisis, Dr. Patricia Daly says the illegal drug trade is a toxic mess that's actually reducing lifespans of people on the downtown east side. Aaron MacArthur reports. Four years on and the fight against fentanyl looks as bad as it ever has. Thousands of people poisoning themselves. Friday, the region's chief medical health officer says she believes the answer is a clean supply. Deaths are primarily affecting men in the prime of their life. 83% of our deaths in 2017 were men, 17% were women. Controlled supply has been done on a trial basis. The Crosstown Clinic and Portland Hotel Society see a few hundred patients a day. But according to drug policy experts, BC could quadruple those numbers and still be short of what's needed. 
work on any issues they have if they develop addictions. Uh, that's, what we're, that's where our money should be focused uh, on, not, not on trying to uh, arrest our way out of this problem or funding uh, a police to solve a problem that even the police say they can't solve. The consensus about clean supply, not unanimous. Some researchers wonder whether a safe supply is taking the focus away from effective treatment and recovery programs. Many patients that I speak with in the emergency department, they willingly seek out fentanyl because it does sort of give them the, the potency or, or the escape that they're seeking. I, I'm not convinced that we can provide enough medical-grade opioids to satisfy someone who struggles with addiction. Vancouver Coastal Health fully admits treatment has fallen short during the crisis. But the money is starting to land in the right spots. Health Canada is interested in exploring options for what they call a safer drug supply. Deaths are down due to opioids. The crisis nowhere near over. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Housing advocates are calling on the city of Vancouver to speed up the process of converting two dilapidated downtown Eastside hotels into subsidized housing. The city of Vancouver must listen to the community down here. The Balmoral and Regent hotels have been declared unsafe and uninhabitable. The city has made unsuccessful bids to buy them, and now council wants to delay public discussions on plans for the buildings until after they expropriate them. Activists say the housing is needed sooner rather than later. Now, our next story may not be suitable for all members of your family. A ruckus seen at a human rights tribunal today. At the center of it, a transgendered woman who claims she was refused a Brazilian waxing treatment. And as Jill Bennett reports, tensions boiled over today between supporters and opponents. Get out. This is a secure area. Get out. Get out. This is a public space. Tensions were high as Jessica Yaniv arrived at the BC Human Rights Tribunal, arguing she was discriminated against by more than a dozen estheticians, all who refused to wax her male genitalia. I've had to approach 16 salons because I was refused from every single one of them. And, you know, after being refused from about five, and that's when I just started saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to start recording and screenshotting these conversations so I can see why they would be saying I'm setting them up, but that's completely not true. Yaniv is seeking financial remedies, but says it's about more than that. The hearing is getting so much attention, there weren't enough seats for her supporters or those out to support the estheticians. Just because they are uncomfortable and they're not allowed to say no, I mean, that's ridiculous. Male feelings shouldn't be prioritized over females' rights to boundaries and safety. Only a society that hates itself would allow itself to be bullied by someone like Jessica Yaniv. The case is also getting international attention, a topic on Fox News. And comedian Ricky Gervais has tweeted about it several times, to the point he was called transphobic. We have basically an LGBTQ activist uh, community that is now power drunk. Jen Smith, a transgender person whose speech at UBC got the university banned from this year's Pride Parade in Vancouver, also attended the hearing Friday. I believe that um, this is basically a harassment against these women who should not be forced to deal with naked male bodies if they don't want to. A lawyer for several of the estheticians says his clients have never offered male waxing services and should not be forced to. It's really like taking a bicycle in for service to 
to a grocery store. It's not a service that my clients provide. If this rule is not in my favor, what, what's going to happen is people can be denied service for literally everything and anything. Following the hearing, Yaniv was given a police escort out of the building. A decision in the case is expected sometime in the next three months. Jill Bennett, Global News. A behind-the-scenes look tonight at the setup for the fiery opening night of one of Vancouver's most popular summer traditions. Four inch or 100 mil, all the way up to 12 inch or 300 millimeter for a single break in the sky. Team India is putting the final touches on tomorrow night's opening show in the Honda Celebration of Light Fireworks Festival. Hundreds of thousands of people will pack Vancouver's beaches and balconies to watch. As always, we'll be working closely with our partners at the BPD and emergency services to make sure that everyone stays safe during this event. Team Canada lights up the sky on Wednesday night and Team Croatia wraps up the event next Saturday. You can catch all of the shows live on BC1 and on globalnews.ca. Now, a shocking breach of privacy that will be of concern to anyone who's used a Vancouver travel agent. A resident of a downtown building came across thousands of pieces of personal information thrown into a communal recycling bin. The information includes passport and credit card numbers, all the ingredients for identity theft. Jordan Armstrong now on why we should all be asking more questions about how our information is used and disposed of. Yeah, so just taking out the recycling last night, something I do all the time. But this time, uh, Peter Meisner couldn't believe his eyes. I think people would be shocked to know that their personal information is being treated like this. The bin filled to the brim. Thousands of pages of sensitive documents, many with the personal information of children. There's a passport, all their personal information, where they were born, date of birth. And their parents. This is everything you need to take a a debit from someone's account. Credit card numbers. Even the security codes, plus photocopied checks, wire transfers, home addresses, signatures, all left up for grabs. It would be a treasure trove for an identity theft. Uh, More checks. It turns out the documents are from a neighboring travel agency for school groups. All right, so now we're going to take a small portion of this personal information next door to Affinity Group Tours and see what they have to say. The owner blames his summer helper his son. This was my 16-year-old son that basically went from moving all of the files that should have gone into a storage center downstairs in our storage locker to be um, uh, treaded. Instead, it ended up in the wrong bin. But he got very lucky. Police won't investigate because no law was broken. Privacy advocates want that to change. We've been pushing for Law reform. Right now, um, identity theft is big business. She adds consumers have a right to ask how and when their personal information will be destroyed. The owner of Affinity Group Tours says these documents will be shredded immediately. So we just need to make sure that we're handing documents like this that a 16-year-old isn't handling them. Unbelievable. A serious breach that B.C.'s Privacy Commissioner is now investigating. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. A large yacht in Florida gutted by flames. Several workers managed to escape when fire broke out on the 21-meter Sunseeker while it was dry docked in Fort Lauderdale. A man working on a boat parked next to the vessel noticed the flames. He called for help and alerted workers on board to get off. 
It took firefighters half an hour to knock down the blaze. What sparked it is not clear at this point. A frightening sight for motorists on a French highway as flames consume trees right alongside the road. Conditions are so dry in this European heat wave that the government has ordered farmers to suspend their harvests because sparks and heat from machines like threshers and tractors can spark fires. At least 24 people have been killed in a massive landslide in southwest China. Chinese authorities say 25 people are still missing. Rescuers were able to find 11 others. The landslide caused by heavy rains swept away more than 20 homes. Rescuers continued to work through the night searching for victims. Caught on surveillance video, a brazen daylight gold heist in Brazil. Like a scene from a Hollywood movie, armed thieves hit Sao Paulo's main airport, executing a sophisticated robbery. The suspects fooled security systems by dressing like officers and using cars that looked like police patrol vehicles. They made off with more than 750 kilos of gold and other precious metals in a haul estimated to be worth upwards of $40 million. A U.S. man has died after becoming infected by an organism known as the brain-eating amoeba while swimming at a lake at a water park. The illness he contracted is rare, but almost always fatal. Tonight, this brain-eating amoeba is being blamed for the death of a North Carolina man. Eddie Gray was swimming at this water park near Fayetteville earlier this month. We are not closing it because the amoeba that causes this type of illness is naturally occurring um, in freshwater bodies of water. The single-celled organism is usually found in shallow freshwater. When it gets hot, the amoeba can cause severe headaches, fever, nausea, and vomiting, which can progress to stiff neck, seizures, and a coma. It's not infectious when the water is swallowed, only when it's forced up the nose during activities such as diving and water skiing. If you're in warm water, the best thing you can do is not put your head below the water. But if you are doing water sports, you want to make sure water doesn't go up your nose, and that means simply wearing nose plugs. According to the CDC, the amoeba is rare, but often deadly. In 57 years, there have only been 145 known infections in the U.S., with only four survivors. Three years ago, Sebastian de Leon defied the odds, shocking his family. We are so thankful that God has given us the miracle. The CDC says the illness is particularly difficult to treat because it's notoriously hard to detect and progresses so quickly. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News. In Health Matters tonight, a new case of measles has been confirmed on the Lower Mainland. Health officials say a Burnaby resident became infected after traveling to the Philippines. Members of the public may have been exposed to measles if they were on Philippines airline flight PR116, which arrived in Vancouver July 23rd. Anyone who spent time at YVR's international arrivals area between 4.30 and 7.20 p.m. on that same date or at the airport's park-and-ride shuttle between 5 and 7 p.m. may also have been exposed. Vancouver Coastal and Fraser Health will be providing free measles vaccinations this weekend for anyone who may have been exposed to the virus and who is not already immunized. A White Rock breast cancer survivor wants to help other women with the cost of removing lymphoma-linked implants. Norma Morrison recently went public with her very private battle. Her late husband was an artist, and now, as Jennifer Palmer reports, the widow plans to use the profits from the sale of his art to raise funds for explants. 
This is an incredible painting. Norma Morrison finds great comfort in her late husband's works. White Rock's well-known Vojislav Morrison loved his craft. And now his art is going to be used for a cause close to Norma's heart. I realized I had something that would hold weight that people would want. Norma is a breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed in 2012 and had a double mastectomy and had reconstructive implants. I chose the textured ones because I was advised to go with that. Those implants are now the subject of a recall by Health Canada because they're associated with a rare lymphoma. She learned that from a letter from her doctor. It took me into a world of pain and suffering that these women are going through right now. Norma wants to use her husband's painting of the White Rock Pier to help raise money for women who want the textured implants out. Women electing to remove the implants without a cancer diagnosis are on the hook for the eight to $10,000 surgery. It's just heartbreaking. It really is. I'm, I'm in a position where I can afford to get it done right away. But no, they're just waiting and getting worse and worse because they're not MSPs and coming through. Norma wants the province to help pay for the removal of the textured implants from breast cancer survivors. Please, step up to the plate. You paid for my implants to go in when I had cancer. Now pay for them to be taken out and not cause any more suffering. The fundraiser will take place in the next few months once Norma has her explant surgery. Jennifer Palma, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. So why are towns in the Netherlands salting the roads when there's no snow in the forecast for them? The answer coming up right after our forecast. But just before our weather, a tourist planning an escape to the Canadian Rockies are being asked to leave their vehicles behind. Access to Lake Louise was actually closed earlier this week due to congestion. And as Tracy Nagai reports, officials are hoping more visitors will use transit. One, two. This picturesque view, well worth the trip. I can't wait to like walk the trails and see the mountains. Gorgeous. But Lake Louise's world-renowned beauty is also proving to be its pitfall. We just got here, so we're gonna go. We're gonna dry walking up. So, <laughs> with only so much space for people and parking, there's a balance to keep everything working in perfect harmony. On Tuesday, Parks Canada was forced to restrict access to the mountain village from the Trans-Canada due to high volumes of traffic and construction in the area. Essentially, people who were trying to drive their private vehicle up to Moraine Lake or Lake Louise, um, they were prevented from doing so and just held um, in a spot until traffic had eased. There's also parking issues at other tourist destinations, including Johnston Canyon and Moraine Lake. For those whose job it is to promote the area, the message isn't stay away, it's plan ahead. There's definitely limited parking and that's because there are um, wildlife restrictions and conservation initiatives so you can't just you know, build infinite amount of parking. Officials say the recently introduced Rome Transit routes will take you from downtown Banff right to the lake shore in Lake Louise. There's also other routes to and from Canmore and Johnston Canyon. You're not waiting, you're not looking for parking, you're enjoying the scenery because someone else is driving. The idea to create a little space so that everyone can enjoy Mother Nature at her finest. In Lake Louise, Trace Nagai, Global News. I mean, it is pretty beautiful, so 
Mm-hmm. I can understand why everyone wants to go there. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at our forecast. Record-breaking day in some parts, Christy. Yes, just a couple. Thanks to the team at Environment Canada and David Ray for alerting me to this. Uh, Victoria hitting 30.5 degrees today, breaking a record from 1990, sorry, 1971. Vancouver hitting 29.2. And it wasn't just the temperatures, but it was also the humidity that made it feel even hotter. A lot of areas, two or three degrees above the numbers that you see see here or what it felt like. So out in the Fraser Valley, low 30s there, close to 30 degree further west. And here's a look at the numbers across the rest of uh, southern BC, northern BC, also hot, but it's really down through the Okanagan Valley that we really saw the heat of Suyus was a hot spot across Canada today at close to 35 degrees. This is the scene out there right now, Sophie. Of course, the fireworks will be taking place there tomorrow. I have your fireworks forecast in a second, but first you'll note that there is some cloud cover and we do have a chance of showers as we held overnight. The bulk of the moisture will hit the central coast up to the north coast and then spread into the interior region. So 20 to 30 millimeters there, but it will affect the south coast also, especially the west coast of Vancouver Island. But for the lower mainland, it's just a slight chance for those of you west and towards the south. But towards the mountains and out in the Fraser Valley, that's where you have a better chance of seeing that moisture. We're not expecting it to push into late this evening, though. So the bulk of it really falling across our region overnight and through the early morning hours tomorrow and then it clears really quickly tomorrow morning and then we'll be left with sunshine by the afternoon. So there's your fireworks forecast with that sunshine 23-24 degrees. It cools off though as soon as the sun sets so down to 18 degrees by 10 p.m. when the fireworks actually take place. You may want to actually bring uh, a rain, um, uh, not a rain jacket, uh, there we go. Sorry I was trying to click that it was not working for me. You may want to bring a sweater just in case. UV index will stay very high through the overnight periods and through the weekend as well. Not through the overnight. Sorry, I'm getting all confused because I was trying to click so much there. Uh, Through the weekend. All right, there's your forecast, everyone. So showers across the north coast. We'll see a chance of showers in the afternoon for these areas with a risk of thunderstorms for our region. We're right back to sunshine tomorrow afternoon, and we'll see that sunshine through the weekend. Sophie. I was going to put sunscreen on before going to bed. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> I'm all confused. It's Friday. Oh, my goodness. It is Friday so <laughs> yeah. much right now. All right. Thanks, Christy. Well, we are all familiar with city crews salting the roads in preparation for a snowstorm. But in the Netherlands, they are laying down salt in exactly the opposite conditions. As Europe swelters through a record heat wave, Dutch towns are spreading salted water on their roads to prevent them from melting. Temperatures in the Netherlands have topped 40 degrees for the first time since they began keeping records. At that temperature, bitumen on roads can melt and stick to car tires, deteriorating the top layer of the roads. This mixture, by the way, is exactly the same one they use in the winter to stop the roads from freezing. Hmm. I know that. You learn something new. Mm-hmm. Beer, Almost right? every day, yes. Salt, the miracle, whatever. <laughs> so what's going to go wrong in the sports forecast? It's got to be something. Well, <laughs> it's been a, been a theme with, uh, with sports. This, There's just, yeah. Our teams have issues. They, they have a lot of they issues. They always seem to have the issues. The Whitecaps, the Lions, the Canucks are enjoying this, but of course they're off, so they can't really have any issues yet, can they? Is it something in the water? <laughs> Is it something in the air? It's just been a bad couple of decades for Vancouver <laughs> sports teams, that's all. Let's just say we're due. We're due for like with the odd championship year thrown in. Yeah, it hasn't been that bad. We're we're exaggerating, but yeah, it has been. uh, As we said yesterday, it's been a cruel summer. It's been a cruel couple of years. All right, thanks, Sophie. The uh, Lions are 
Certainly desperate for a win tomorrow afternoon at BC Place against the Rough Riders. The Lions are just one in five. They're last in the West, but they are just two points back of Saskatchewan. So if they can just reduce some of their numerous mistakes, they have a chance to get a win. One of the focuses this week at practice, get back to basics in the art of tackling. Here's a Jay. Jay does a nice bit of running after the catch, and he's loose. The Lions are doing a lot of things wrong right now, and one of the most glaring is their poor tackling. It's been the reason they've given up big plays that have turned games, like last week when they took the lead against the Riders, only to have shoddy tackling cost them a kick return for a touchdown and a huge momentum shift. So this week, Coach Clay Brooks has everyone working on tackling from the ones who do it all the time to the ones who surprisingly need a lot of guidance. Receivers and things like that, offensive players that haven't tackled at all before in their life because they've been a, a prime, primo skill position guy and now we ask them to go down on kickoff and make a tackle. Some of them don't really know how, so we want to teach the nuances and make sure they understand the basis of tackling and you want to work on that every week. Of course, in practice, without pads against your own teammates, tackling is somewhat different than game conditions. You can't risk injury, so it's more about technique. I mean, in a sense, it has its difficulties, but I mean, when you go back to a position and, you know, how you should finish on a tackle, it's ultimately the same thing. So um, it has difficulties, but then again, if you stick to the fundamentals of tackling, it, it shouldn't be a problem. Then again, football is an emotional game. Tackling is a want-to thing. You just got to want to get there, put your body on them, you know, make contact. So we just got to, you know, tighten up our technique. If not, the Lions will have to bring in someone who can do the job. CFL tonight, top two teams in the league, 5-0 Winnipeg at 4-1 Hamilton. Ticats strike first, quarterback Jeremiah Mazzoli with the quarterback draw, scampers 22 yards for the touchdown. Ticats jumped out 14-0, but then later in the first disaster, Mazzoli goes down in a heap untouched. It's an ankle or knee injury, left the game, did not return, but Hamilton is still leading without him, 23-15 late in the fourth. BC Little League Baseball Championship going on this week in Vancouver. Coquitlam facing Leyritz out of Victoria, and the Vancouver Islanders take a 5-1 lead in the fourth. Maxwell Hoey with the base hit scores Daniel Tolman. That stretched the lead to four, but Coquitlam rallied, and they forced extra innings. And in the eighth, Nolan Lovern with the fly ball to right is caught, but tagging and scoring. Ty Freeman, Coquitlam win 8-7. Semifinals go tomorrow. The final is Sunday at noon at Hillcrest, which is near Nat Bailey Stadium. Canada won another medal at the World Aquatic Championships in South Korea today. Sydney Pickram of Halifax won bronze in the women's 200-meter breaststroke. Canada is now up to nine medals, seven in swimming, two in diving, and there's still a chance for even more medals in the pool this weekend. Second round of the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational from Memphis. Englishman Matthew Fitzpatrick from long distance on the 16th. 27-footer for birdie goes down. He shot a 6-under 64. He's the 36-hole leader at minus 9. First-round leader John Rahm, 8-under 62 yesterday. Rarely do they follow it up with another low round, and that was the case again for Rahm, who was 1-over today but did make a great shot here on 17. He's in second now, two off the lead. The only Canadian in the field, Corey Connors, tied 21st at two under. And the LPGA Tour is playing a major in beautiful Evian Les Bains, France. I checked the pronouncer on that. Bains, or something like that means, means bath, apparently. 
Evian Championship. Oh, Brooke Henderson has already won a major back in 2016, but she is tied 42nd right now after a 1-under-71. Today, the leader is South Korean Mi Yang Lee, who eagled the 18th. She's at 10-under, 10, 10 shots ahead of Brooke, but still 36 holes to go there. And a dramatic and uh, somewhat bizarre day in the 19th stage of the Tour de France. Third sta- last stage, the final one in the mountains. That's Julian Alaphilippe, the Frenchman, has hung on to the yellow jersey for two weeks. This is the final mountain stage, which is not his strength. While he was struggling, 22-year-old Colombian Egan Bernal was pounding to the front of the pack, and Bernal hit the top of the mountain pass nearly two minutes up on Alaphilippe, and that would be crucial because as the racers started the descent at dangerous speeds, Alaphilippe among them trying to make up for the lost time on the climb. Up ahead, there was a freak hailstorm and rock slide that forced organizers to cut the stage short, first time in over 20 years. So they took everyone's time from when they hit the top of the mountain pass, and that meant we have a new leader. Egan Bernal now has a 48-second league on Alaphilippe. Last year's champ, Garrett Thomas of Wales, is 116 back. So just two stages to go. Michael Woods of Ottawa, by the way, who was seventh in yesterday's stage, is 36th overall. But... A little, it's just strange circumstance. They had to stop the race. Can you imagine the way they were going, hitting hail on the road? They would have been disastrous. So just tough luck, I guess, for the uh, Frenchman there. Should make for an interesting weekend, though. Yeah, still two days Mm -hmm. to go, but hard to make up time now that they're out of the mountains. All right. Thanks, Barry. Mm -hmm. Let's check in with Ann Drua with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Ann? Thanks, Sophie. We'll have the latest on that fatal float plane crash off northern Vancouver Island, and we continue to track the manhunt for two BC teen murder suspects. Also, several people are hurt after a crash between an SUV and a pickup truck in Abbotsford this afternoon. An air ambulance was dispatched to the scene at Marion and Wells Line Road just after 3 o'clock. We are awaiting details from Abbotsford Police. We'll have those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock clock. Sophie. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Ann. An ultimate collector's item for movie lovers is up for sale. We'll bring in the details next. But first, here's Kasia Vidurka with five things to do with your family. Kasia. Last weekend of July, and we've got your signature summer events. For number one, we take you to the Fort Langley Jazz and Arts Festival. Two days of free non-stop jazz with more than 25 acts on the bill. That's at the Fort Langley Community Hall all weekend. Struggling to keep the kids busy and engaged? One solution is camp. Free weekend camps through Catching the Spirit Youth Society. Four locations in Metro Vancouver Regional Parks offer up programs including a visit to the Salmon Hatchery and campfire songs and games. It's a Port Moody tradition and each week it's a little different. Summer Sundays at Rocky Point Park feature musicians and bands everyone will enjoy. They're free outdoor concerts all summer. Sunday, check out Don Pemberton at 2 p.m. If you like folk music, camping, fun foods, and craft beer, you should be at the Islands Folk Festival. It's been 35 years and counting. This year, it's featuring over 30 bands at Providence Farm in Duncan. Vancouver gets lit for the 29th year. The Honda Celebration of Light is back, bringing people together for a musical fireworks competition. Saturday, India sparks the fun and wows crowds at English Bay. Other competitors this year, Croatia and Canada. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. Are you in the market for a new car? I am not. Not yet. It's a lovely car, and you could have it. One of the most iconic cars in movie history is going on the auction block. 
An Aston Martin driven by James Bond himself will be sold by Sotheby's. And as Hillary Lane reports, it comes with all the options you would expect. This James Bond 007 Aston Martin is looking for a new secret agent to get behind the wheel. This car is iconically the most famous car in the world. The snow shadow gray 1965 Aston Martin DB5 is just one of three in existence today. This one was designed for the Thunderball promotional tour. It's nearly identical to the one Bond drove in the film Goldfinger. It is instantly recognizable in the silhouette of DB5. The flashy car is the crown jewel of an upcoming sale at Sotheby's auction house. This car has 13 fully functional gadgets, including this tire shredder that was used in the movie and a spinning license plate that Bond used to evade police. The DB5 is also equipped with a retractable bulletproof screen, a passenger seat ejection system and lights that spit out nails. Laura Schwab, the North American president of Aston Martin, says the car is an integral part of the film franchise. We're so fortunate to have that relationship with Bond, and this was the first one in a, in a Bond movie. This piece of automotive espionage is expected to fetch a lot of gold when it goes on the auction block in California next month for between 4 and $6 million. Hillary Lane, CBS News, New York. Should go for more? I thought it would go for more than that. Four to six million. How do you think it is on gas? <laughs> <laughs> Considering its age, probably not so good. <laughs> not very it's got, good. Uh, cues and money penny on speed dial, though, as well. Yes, yes exactly. In case, they need any, in case <laughs> right. you need anything else. Uh, all right, final word on the weather, and of course, it's fireworks tomorrow. Yeah, so we will see showers overnight, mainly along the mountains and out in the Fraser Valley. It should push out fairly quickly in the morning, but we may not see the sunshine until the afternoon. It'll take a little while, but then it will be sunny just in time for the fireworks. So, Okay, that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us and have a great weekend.